Well, good morning. Today I'm looking at the sixth fruit of the Spirit as they're listed in Galatians 5.22. The fruit of goodness. And um, I haven't got any props like Ray Wallace or his brother Ray Cooper um, here this morning. Um, But uh, I did come across something in preparation, in my research in preparation for today. And it was a, a quote in relation to the story that Ray brought last week of the Good Samaritan. And the quote was that the first question the priest and the Levite asked themselves was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? And then the Good Samaritan came along and he asked the question, if I don't stop to help help this man, what will happen to him? Which I thought was a great question. Here we go. Okay. And I hope you've had many opportunities to show kindness over the course of the week. But what have we got up? Fruit, fruitfulness here. The next fruit, goodness, is actually very similar to kindness, but in many ways far more reaching. Joe, if you just flick up the next slide, which is um, all of good or all its goodness or or all of the world is sort of wrapped up in the two symbols there. There's the halo and then there's the horns, the good, the evil. So all that is not evil is wrapped up in this thing called good, and it's a huge thing to remember in there. And that goodness or good actually has a wide range of meanings that can be quite hard to quantify as well. Um, different statements, it has different meanings uh, and it's often given context like uh, uh, by how it is used. For example if uh, Peter here if we were to say he was good at maths that would mean that he's got intelligence or competence in it. Um, (laughs) As well as a miracle, yeah. Um, That's a good reason for you doing that. Indicates a soundness of mind and things like that. Um, I gave it a good wash. Indicates thoroughness. Uh, sort of thing. Uh, it was good of you to come. Kindness. Um, it was a good party last night. Enjoyment. And one that Trevor is especially acquainted with is um, that his father used to say to him, oh, this is back in the day because of you know, corporal punishment and all that, was that if he did that again, he'd get a good hiding, which meant something else again. So it has a whole lot of meanings around it, doesn't it? Um, But though it does encompass many meanings, when we focus on it in a particular area, it brings clarity. For example, if we were to say that someone is a good man or a good woman, the things we have around that start to bring the goodness, things like we expect that that person is honest, upright, moral, sincere, generous, reliable, will go the extra mile. So you add those words around it and you get a better context of what the word good means. So with this in mind, let us look, Luke, uh, Joel, at the slide in uh, kindness as it is put in in Galatians 5.22. And the Greek word for goodness is agathosune. All right, so there's your Greek lesson for this morning, just that word, agathosune. Easy? Agathosune, yeah. Um, Which means goodness for the benefit of others not simply for the reason of being virtuous. It also means that it isn't an attitude or motivation or a one-off thing, but it's characterised by virtue and helpless, uh, helplessness, helpfulness. It's a lifestyle. Um, we do acts of goodness here and there uh, as required, and that's a good thing, but the ideal is a lifestyle with your eyes open for opportunities that bring benefits to others. Thirdly, it's selflessly acting on behalf of others, and fourthly, just in that it does have a wider definition of kindness, which is, you know, good act and like the goodness embraces so much more. It's more energised and vigorous, that sort of thing. 
just like to spend a few minutes looking at some different aspects of goodness. Joel, if you could put up the next one. Thank you. Aspect of goodness that it's fulfilling its purpose. You might think, well, what does that mean? You go to the Bible, and the first time you find the word good is in Genesis 1, straight off. As God creates the world, as each stage of it, he says, behold, it is good. Um, and when he creates man and woman, he says, behold, that is very good, so even better. So what did he mean when he, when he meant by good in, in back then? Because at that stage, there was, no good, there was no bad or evil. He just said it was good. And I'd like to suggest that what God was saying in good was he meant it, it served its purpose or it functioned as he wanted it to. That is, it, it met his expectations. That is, it, it yeah, fulfilled its function. And just in relation to that, that uh, the journey that we're on back to becoming more like Jesus or being part of Jesus is actually just that, that God is taking us back to what he first or how he first intentioned us to function which was in him. So that's what I mean by fulfilling his purpose. Uh, as I said before, the next... F- uh, wrong page. Uh, it has a strong moral component. Your reputation, your integrity, uh, high and wa- unwavering standards, willingness to sacrifice is all embodied in it as well. In New Zealand, we have a thing which I don't know some of you might have voted in, but it's uh, the most well-respected New Zealander or the most trusted New Zealander in 2014, the list was, number one was Willie Appiata, VC. Second was Lance O'Sullivan, who's a doctor, not a jockey, but he was the New Zealand of the Year in 2014. Third, our good friend Richie McCaw, all-black captain. Fourth, Judy Bailey, charity worker. Fifth, John Kerwin, says here, former all-black player, and it, I'm sure it doesn't mean as Blues coach, but it's for his work, of course, with the depression and all he's done. And... It didn't have Brenda McCullum's name on there, but that's okay at the stage. But yeah, all those people, they, as you know them, embody that they embody those principles of morality. They're upright. They're good people. They're good. Um, as opposed to when you think of somebody like Lance Armstrong or um, who was the other one uh, that I had, or Tiger Woods. Then now, when we think of their name, we think, yeah, gosh, they were great golfer, great cyclist, and all that. But who they are has been tarnished because the aspect of the integrity is gone. That's not to say, of course, that they can never get back, but it's going to be just so much harder for them to do so. So, strong moral component. Thirdly, goodness has a dynamic component as well. It isn't static. Have you ever heard the saying, all is required for evil to abound is for good people to do nothing? And it is a challenge that we face, and particularly as Christians that we face as well, because the goalposts of the world are constantly shifting. What are some of the things before us at the moment? In New Zealand, human rights are redefining morality. We've got euthanasia wearing its head. Ethics around medical issues, abortion, income inequality, uh, and even poverty all require good people to push back at its coming. We must push back against it. So, but as an issue like euthanasia comes up, or you know, have I not got the right to take my own life if I want to? We need to we need to speak up and take a stand against that. We must push back. Yeah. Fourthly, it produces character and Christ-likeness, which I'll say more about a little bit later. But in our desire to serve God, it'll bring these things more abundantly, uh, character and Christ-likeness into our lives. 
Fifthly, more than just keeping the commandments. Joel, that was one I wanted to update and I didn't get to, to do it, but I'll go on to the sixth one. Um, oh, sorry, yeah, thanks. Um, goodness is the outward expression of the inward intent, okay? The reason why we do things, the heart attitude. I guess an example, you know, our selflessness. I guess an example of that was when Jesus used to speak to the Pharisees and he was always saying, look, they do the good thing of making the big thing of putting their money into the box. It's a good thing to do, but they're doing it not for the right reasons. They're making a show of themselves. Or when you sit in the sermon, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites that do it for show. Go and do it privately and all those sorts of things. Other thing Jesus also castigated the, the Pharisees for was that while they did these things for show, there were a whole lot of other good things they needed to do that they didn't, and, because, and people would have benefited by that as well. Acts of goodness can be tough. And we, in fact, a lot of acts of goodness can be tough. They require courage, boldness, and stepping out of your comfort zone. Tough love, some of you have had to work with that, is uh, to do that with, with raising your children. It's seldom fun, is it? But it's the good thing to do. It's the right thing to do. As is, you know, some of us you've had over the last few years in facing, you know, just saying to, to one of your parents, your father or your mother, look, I'm sorry you can't live alone anymore. I'm going to have to put you into rest home or take you into care of some sort. Um, or it isn't easy saying to a friend, you know, I think, I think you've got a problem with drinking and that's a real issue. Or um, what was that I was saw you on Friday, you were watching on the computer? Do you want just, uh, you know, things like that? Um, and uh, or as we see on TV, the domestic violence adverts, you know, saying, do you know, do you know somebody who's involved in this? Will you do something about it? Will you do the good thing? And those things are hard. Or um, and those are sort of immediate and short-term things. There's one thing I do want to to mention that's come up in society the last five or ten years, and that's grandparents raising grandchildren. You know, the good thing to do that they do, but that's a real journey and it's a hard journey and that as they go through. Um, <clears throat> and the last aspect to look at in this section is that it takes commitment. Commitment for to good over evil and right over wrong. It's really an extension of the moral component. But I just want to um, to read a quote from Martha Luther King, Martin Luther King. Um, you know, when we think about you know, goodness I mean, good and all that sort of thing, you know, Martin Luther King is way out there. So it's just the attitude I want to impress uh, or to take from it as we go. But um, his intent, commitment, and what he was doing and how he planned to live well, he said to his children, I'm going to work and do everything I can to see that you get a good education. I don't ever want you to forget that there are millions of God's children who will not and cannot get a good education, and I don't want you... Um, feeling that you're better than they are, for you'll never be what you ought to be until they are what they ought to be. And that was the commitment to the cause. Or Nelson Mandela. During my lifetime, I've dedicated myself to the struggle of the African people. I fought against white domination. I fought against black domination. I've cherished the ideal of a democratic and free society in which all persons live together in harmony and with equal opportunities. It's an ideal for which I hope to live for and to achieve, but if needs be, it's an ideal for which I'm prepared to die. Commitment to the good. 
And when you look at what's happened in those two nations as a result of those guys, it's actually phenomenal, isn't it? The commitment and the things that they have done. So much has been achieved. So, there's the seven things. The aspect of goodness, fulfilling its purpose, that it has a strong moral component, it's dynamic, it produces character and Christ-likeness. It's more than just keeping the commandments, although I haven't spoken about that. Um, the tough outward expression of inward intent, it can be tough and it requires commitment. Does that put some legs on what goodness is all about? Is goodness, you know, we, we speak of goodness, is it, you know, it, it's not a fluffy or a soft thing at all. It requires all that we've got. Um, yeah. Does goodness come naturally to us? Well, some parts can. <clears throat> when we see disasters or particular needs or people in plight, they can move us to be, to be really generous, from cyclones in Vanuatu or children who are built with absurdly long buck teeth. I don't know if any of you saw that on TV. Or different things or plights of people. They just move us to do things and to, you know, to, to give to them. Um, things that move us, that, that move our compassion. Um, and, yeah, if the issue is short-term, it can be sorted quickly, and we're often uh, uh, disposed to, often we act, but the other aspects can be tougher. Sitting inside of all this, though, is the battle that is within all of us, the spiritual battle. Can I have the next slide, please, um, Joel? Um, and the Apostle Paul, as you know, in Romans 7, despaired of his inner nature, as we see in Romans seven eighteen. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do. This I keep on doing. He's in despair. And then at the end he says, well, who's going to rescue me from this body that's subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Woody Allen has said, my one regret in life is that I'm not somebody else. And he's right. He's right. Paul, as he found in this, needed to go to the source of all goodness. He needed to go to the one who would make him something, someone else, as Jesus does, as, as we go to God, and we're made into somebody else. So Woody Allen was right. I don't know if he meant it that way, but he was right. We go to the one who is utterly pure, utterly holy, perfect integrity, totally faithful, kind, generous, unblemished in every way. <clears throat> and so, as, and as Paul did, so must we. We say, Lord, change me into someone else. Change me into Jesus. Change me. Increasing good in our lives is evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work in us. And in doing so, is cultivating the new man at the expense of the old. Um, because we need to remember that God's not interested in making, taking our old man and making it any better. He wants to kill it and make the new man whole. Uh, his aim is a new creation from the root up, so that, the natural out, so that new habits are the, uh, the natural outcoming of, uh, of new hearts. Good acts that we are asked to do, that he asks us to do, sorry, um, often involve us giving over more of ourselves to God, letting go of the old man, to enabling the new one to come in. 
that increase our Christ-likeness, which uh, is likely to mean more fruit in our lives. Does that sound like win-win? Sounds a good deal if we can do it, yeah. But it requires our cooperation, Joel, if you just flick up the next slide. Galatians 5.25, it says, If we walk by, live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And how do we know what we should do? Well, the, it's all over the Bible, but I just chose one, and here it is in Micah 6.8. He's told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To uh, act justly means that you treat all people with fairness, honesty, integrity. Mercy, in Hebrew, literally means unexpected kindness. God's plan for our life is that we will perform good works, for we've been where his workmanship, in Ephesians 2.10, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. We're saved by grace through faith, and, of course, the whole book of Galatians is about the Galatians trying to do it by work. We're saved by, through faith to do good works, not to get our salvation by them. Our acts of goodness are vital to God's purposes. Vital, Joel. Firstly, our integrity, our moral standing, is vital for the extension of the kingdom of God. Do you um, ever ponder or remember that wherever you go, you take the kingdom of God with you because the kingdom of God lives within? So if whatever situation you're in, um, the kingdom of God is present in that place because of who you are, and uh, and um, as you do, and as you are, it's likely that you'll bring. When people see you, you're bringing trust, reliability, that you show yourself as a person of integrity, someone acting to ensure fairness and justice. It could be in your workplace, it could be in your clubs, your social clubs, anywhere where you speak. Um, all these things enhance the kingdom of God as well because you are there and have acted for Him. And in doing these things, secondly, it, you build relationships with people which can bring opportunities to share our faith, and uh, which is what God wants. And thirdly, as we have the opportunity to make disciples, so God also grows us as disciples, which, he, which is incredibly important to him. So uh, our acts of goodness are vital to his purposes. Just briefly, looking at the way Jesus lived, and if you look at his life, it must have been fantastic to open the eyes of the blind, make the lame see, walk, cleanse the demonic of leprosy. But it actually wasn't all easy for him either. The Bible says he learned obedience by what he suffered. And he asked if the supreme act of goodness God required of him could be done another way. Thanks. The wonderful thing for us about Jesus was that to do other than what God wanted him to do was unthinkable, no matter what the cost. Why? Because he trusted that all God asked him to do came from a pure, a just God desiring only goodness. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a heart like that? Well, the good news is you're on the way, and the Holy Spirit's at work in you. You're on your way there. And we're actually going to encounter situations where an act of goodness will stretch us and make us vulnerable because this is the work of the Spirit in us. It's growing us. We actually should expect it because God wants to make us whole, more Christ-like. And the key to it is our response. Do we shrink back? And 
say, I'll let it go this time. I'll do it next time. I don't feel up to it today. Um, It's a waste of time anyway. He, she, they won't listen. All the response will be hostile. And my cup's already full. I just just don't want to. Henry Kissinger once said, there cannot be a crisis next week. My schedule is already full. How often do we feel like that? It's too hard. It's busy. I'm tired. And sometimes we are. But other times it's the battle, the battle between the old man and the redeemed one. I know I should, but... We must remember that God will never let us down. He'll never let us be pushed past our limit. He'll always be there to help us come through it. Often we think it's just too hard, but so often we're capable of more if we would just push through. Next slide, Joel. And so we're actually we're encouraged to keep on going, and we receive promises. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not a harvest, we do not lose heart. And therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so just to summarize. Thanks, John. The fruit of goodness, the outward expression of the inward intent. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, Jesus said. Goodness is things we do for the benefit of others. It's not static, it's dynamic. We need to be vigilant in maintaining God's standards in a changing world. It requires our cooperation, a willingness to push to relinquish more of ourselves to God. It can require us to do things that are tough and unpalatable, but we will reap a reward in due course from him who is all good and misses nothing. The fruit of goodness is one means of our, of our growing as disciples, spreading the kingdom of God as you take it wherever you go. And goodness, don't you think, it's a wonderful response to him who spared no act of goodness for us. Let's pray, eh? Lord, thank you for the fruit of goodness. Thank you that we can be confident that as it grows in us, we're doing two things. We're doing good things for the benefit of others and we're growing more like Jesus, which is your goal for us that we'd be more like him, the perfect one. Give us a stronger desire and a zeal to allow the Holy Spirit to increase his fruit in us. And Lord, I pray, if any are struggling with a difficult situation where you would have them act in some way, Lord, give them courage, give them strength and boldness. But Lord, may it always be that it is action tempered with love. In Jesus' name, amen.